Luke 2, 1 to 7. Okay, let me read for us. It says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was a first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Amen. All right, let me pray one more time and we'll go into the word. Dear Heavenly Father, we don't want to rush past your word. Lord, we, we, you, you, you honor your word so much that you call your son the word of God. Uh, we ask God that you would open up your word. Help us be a people that tremble at your word. Lord, that, that we wouldn't just read it like it's a book, but we would approach it as, as we would a, a living person, Lord God. Would you speak to us and transform us from the inside out? In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so we're going through the book of Luke, and we have finally arrived to the birth of Jesus. And it says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Because of a census, they had to go from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David. All right. So I, I, I looked this up, and the distance between Galilee all the way to Bethlehem was around 90 miles. It's, it's around the, the distance from here to Macon. Y'all know where Macon is? No? Well, it's like 90 miles from here. And I looked up on Google Maps and it takes about three hours in a car and about, I think it takes almost like a week walking. All right, so I want you to imagine this with me, you know, because I feel like, man, in our lives, our lives sometimes feel so real, right? Where when you pay your bills, it feels so real. When you go through your days, when you have to do your homework, when, when things happen, it just feels so real, like real life. And as you probably know, my wife is pregnant, woo, uh, 14 weeks. And, and she has a tough time walking from, you know, even, even for like 10 minutes, she gets really tired. So imagine this for a second, where, where this married couple, and, and she is just pregnant, right? They had to walk 90 miles, almost a week walk while she is pregnant and in all the complications, all the difficulties that comes with that, they had to walk all those hours. And they probably already knew that this wasn't something noble, right? The only reason that they were doing the census is because they wanted to collect taxes. So all of this combined, it must have been a very difficult time for them to walk. And they were, they were probably, as they're trekking, they're having to try to push down all the, the complaints that's coming out of their mouths and, and trying to push through just to get to this place. And when they arrive, it says, finally, when they arrive, uh, they gave birth to Jesus, you know? 
And they gave birth to Jesus and they placed it in a manger. And it feels so, and, and the thing about the Bible is that it's so easy to walk past really important detail. And, and what felt so real at that moment, that the first point I want to make is by doing this, they fulfilled a prophecy that was written a thousand years ago by a man, a prophet named Micah. This is Micah 5.2. It says, But you, Bethlehem, through you, though you are a small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Amen. That's why people knew that the, the Messiah was going to come from Bethlehem because of this prophecy. So the, the first point I want to make was, even though this was such a small kind of, what they must have thought, just an inconvenience, was actually the will of God. It was actually the, the plan of God to bring Jesus out from Galilee and have him be birthed in a place called Bethlehem. Amen. Well, there are things in our lives that we think are just coincidences. Uh, two years ago, I used to work at a company called LG. Y'all know, some of you have LG phones. I hope you know it's not that great. But there's a, there's a, a LG is actually, the mother company is LG Chem. And I worked for, for that company for a couple of years. And one day, my manager told me, I didn't, honestly, I didn't even know Atlanta existed. I'm sorry, Georgians. Um, but I didn't know it existed. I, I was a California boy. And then before that, I was a Mexico boy. I lived in Mexico for six years. So I didn't know Atlanta. You know, people in the West are very ignorant about the East. We think it's just Harvard and Yale. That's all we know about the East. So I didn't know about Atlanta, but I was supposed, one day my manager came to me and he said, hey, we are uh, relocating to Atlanta. Are you in or are you out? And, and, and it was such an inconvenience for me to go with the company. I, I uprooted my life. I had to move away from my family. I had to move away from, you know, my mom cooking breakfast, lunch, and dinner for me. I had to move away from free rent. Amen. You know, Koreans in the house. Amen. I, I walked away from all of that, not knowing what the future held for me. And I came here, but lo and behold, I, start, I, I, I got back into ministry. I met my beautiful wife. There's so many things that happened. Happened, and I wonder if, if my life was written in the Bible, it would say, you know, God brought me out, you know, and I was just thinking about, man, you know, there are the, 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 sometimes it feels our lives feel so real and, and the, the, the inconvenience are so real, but but God is still in control. Amen. That God actually foresaw this. He planned this. And there are so many times in our lives where we feel like God is not in control because there are so many inconveniences. Life is just so ordinary sometimes. But, but God is actually moving. And God is actually behind the scenes and sometimes in front of us doing things, you know, just like Mary and Joseph, they probably had no idea that they were fulfilling a prophecy from thousands of years ago. Amen. They probably had no idea and they probably felt like their life was out of control. Can you imagine if you're taking your pregnant wife and, and they go all the way to this little place called Bethlehem and she has birth there and they don't have any place to put the baby. So they have to put it in a manger. That sounds like out of control to me, right? But, but God prophesied this through Micah, that this was part of God's plan. And, you know, there's something about knowing how, how you know, 
how things are going to end, you know, how, how, how God is in control that, that gives us peace, that gives us a sense of peace. It's kind of like, have you, ever, have you ever gotten a book and went to the back and read the ending? Any of you guys do that? Where you buy a book and it's like a, sus- a suspenseful book and you go to the back and you read the ending. What happens? When you read the book, even if it's really suspenseful, you don't get very kind of rattled up, right? Because you know it works out in the end, right? Okay, how many guys read uh, Harry Potter? One of my favorite stories concerning this is, and for those of you who haven't read it or who haven't read the last book, I'm sorry, spoiler alert, if you want to close your ears, you can do that. Um, Harry Potter, do you guys remember when Dumbledore died? Yes? You know, Dumbledore, for those of you who don't read Harry Potter, think is witchcraft. I was at a mission trip and someone was like, that's witchcraft. I was like, whoa. <laughs> if, you think, if you haven't read it, Dumbledore is like the main, one of the main heroes in this book, right? He's, he's like, you know, Harry's mentor and he's like this amazing wizard, right? And, and the fact that Dumbledore died, that was unforeseen. It, nobody saw that coming. And I read it, I think, in a news where this guy, as soon as the last book, it's the last book, right? When Dumbledore dies? Is that, no? Second to last, okay. Second to last book, when that book came out, it, it came out with so much anticipation, right? And there was like this huge line waiting for people, everybody waiting to get this book. And I heard, I, I saw this in the news where this guy, he was probably one of the first ones to get the book. He went to the end and he read that Dumbledore died. He made a shirt that says Dumbledore dies. <laughs> And he went back to the same line and he was just prancing around (laughs) and you could see people just falling like dominoes, you know, because the suspense was gone, you know, and even if they read now that that thing is gone, but in a good way, that's what happens in our lives because now we know that God is in control. Amen. I I, I don't know if you've read revelation, but we find out that, that God wins. We win. Let me, let me save you the suspense. We win. Amen? That the, the new Jerusalem, new earth, new heaven is going to come. That there, God is going to set up heaven on earth for all the saints to be in relationship with God. That there's going to come a time where lion is going to be with the lamb. And there's going to be no more tears. There's going to be no more heartache. There's going to be no more diseases. It's going to be bliss on earth. Amen? As a good, good understanding of, of the ending takes away the suspense. That even when things are difficult, it's falling apart in your life, you know that there's going to come a day where there is going to be no more tears. There's going to come a day where you're going to be, you know, I was telling this to my kids, like, can you just think about this for a second? Like, um, about a month or two ago, I, I lost one of my youth kids. His name is Sean. And it's just, that whole experience rocked me because, you know, it just, it reminds you that our lives are so kind of short. It's like a mist, you know? And it comes and goes. And in light of eternity, our lives are just a moment. Do you guys ever think about that? Even if we live for 100 and 100 years, even if you're super lucky, I don't know if that's lucky, but even if you live for 120 years, in light of eternity that we have, it's nothing. It's just, it's but a moment that we have. And in a moment, we're going to be face to face with Jesus. Can you imagine that? 
That, that we're going to be in this, in this endless communion with our God and he's going to love us and there's no more, there's going to be no more insecurity. There's going to be no more sin that we don't have to deal with anymore that we're going to be one with him. That is your ending. Amen. I looked it up. That is your ending. So it's like watching a movie and knowing no matter how difficult the movie gets, no matter how suspenseful even the movie might get, if you know that it's going to work out as you watch the movie, you're like, I can take it. That is your life. But, but, but not only that, not only that, we don't not, uh, Jesus also gives us his promises. Like in Romans 8, 28, just like that prophetic word, he says, God works everything together for good. Amen. That everything in your life right now, he is working for it to work it for good in your life and for his glory. That every single thing that you can look at everything that stresses you out and you can look at it and say, you're going to be for my good and for his glory. Amen. That is according to the word. But, but, but we don't just have promise. We don't just know the ending. We actually, this is a crazy part of Christianity. We know the author. That, that's the crazy thing about our lives. It's as though, it's like, it's as if Hamlet got to know Shakespeare. It's, it's a weird thing where we actually, and this is something that should blow our minds, right? That we get to actually have conversations with the one who writes our story. That is crazy to me. And this author isn't just a human being. He is a good God. He, 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 is, he is powerful. He is good. He is kind. He loves me so much. And I get to have conversation and a relationship with my author. And just by that, that itself, it would blow my mind. But not only that, he enters my story. Isn't that crazy that he would actually enter into my, our stories and he, because he loves us so much? Because he knows that if he's just, even if Hamlet could talk to Shakespeare, Hamlet would never be able to have a relationship with him because they work in complete, they are in different planes. Just like for us, it's impossible to think of a situation where there is no time, right? It's impossible. We can't think that like that. We're, we're very limited. We're very finite. So just like Hamlet could not probably have a relationship with Shakespeare unless Shakespeare wrote himself into the story. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He limited himself. He wrote, because he was like, I love these guys so much. And, and he's been trying to speak to us for years and years and years, saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love I have made you. He, he raised up Israel, telling them, hey, I have chosen you out of all the nations, and I'm going to use you to show you my love and my glory. But they turn again and again and again until finally he writes himself into the story. He writes himself into the story. Why? For one reason, it's because he loves us. He, he, he wrote himself into the story as Jesus so that he could have a real relationship with us. So we would be able to relate with this God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen my father. That is a, one of the biggest reasons why Jesus came was so that we would be able to enter into relationship with him. But the craziest, another crazy thing from there is, man, if I were to write myself into my story, I would not, I would write myself as a king, wouldn't you? 
I would write myself as a celebrity. I would write myself in as Brad Pitt, amen? Y'all know Brad, we're of the similar generation, y'all know Brad, some of my youth kids are like, who's Brad Pitt? Who's, they, they don't know Michael Jordan. Is that, isn't that crazy? Who's Michael Jackson, they say. Like how? They're like, oh, is it like BTS? I'm like, it is not. It is not like BTS. <laughs> um, I would have written myself in as someone famous, as someone beautiful, but instead, Jesus wrote himself in as a baby that is being placed in a manger. You know, when the, the, the first 10 minutes of any character in a movie, that 10 minutes kind of sets the tone of that character. It, it kind of sets the tone of, of what that character wants to be known for. And this really blessed me how the first 10 minutes, the first 10 days, 10, 10, 10, 10 hours of, of Jesus' existence spoke of one thing about him. Yes, his love, but his humility. You know, that, that, that he would come so helpless and he would choose his family that he knew in advance that would not be able to afford something fancy for him, that he, he lowered himself and he was placed in a manger. That, that Jesus, if there's one thing he wants us to know about him is that he is humble. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. I am gentle and humble at heart. Why is humility so important? Because if he, can you imagine, if he came in like a reigning king, if someone comes in like this, what's the natural response? We go like this, right? But he humbled himself so that we would be exalted. He humbled himself so that we would be able to have relationship with the highest God. He humbled himself so that we would be lifted up from our humble places. So he came not as a reigning king, but he came as a humble king. He came very, very, very humble so that we would be lifted up. He was killed so that we would live. He was humiliated so that you would be filled with his righteousness. Amen. That, that blessed me so much that he chose a manger for us. Um, so in closing, uh, as we approach our lives again, and we're going to go out those doors, and our lives are going to get really real again, right? As you go back to school, as you go back to your work, it's going to feel very weird. It's going to be, it's going to feel very real again. It's going to Luke 2, 1 to 7. Okay, let me read for us. It says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was a first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. 
She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Amen. All right, let me pray one more time and we'll go into the word. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we don't want to rush past your word. Lord, we, we, you, you, you honor your word so much that you call your son the word of God. Uh, we ask God that you would open up your word. Help us be a people that tremble at your word. Lord, that, that we wouldn't just read it like it's a book, but we would approach it as, as we would a, a living person, Lord God. Would you speak to us and transform us from the inside out? In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so we're going through the book of Luke, and we have finally arrived to the birth of Jesus. And it says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Because of a census, they had to go from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David. All right. So I, I, I looked this up and the distance between Galilee all the way to Bethlehem was around 90 miles. It's, it's around the, the distance from here to Macon. Y'all know where Macon is? No? Well, it's like 90 miles from here. And I looked up on Google Maps and it takes about three hours in a car and about, I think it takes almost like a week walking. All right. So I want you to imagine this with me, you know, because I feel like, man, in our lives, our lives sometimes feel so real, right? Where when you pay your bills, it feels so real. When you go through your days, when you have to do your homework, when, when things happen, it just feels so real, like real life. And as you probably know, my wife is pregnant, Woo! Uh, 14 weeks, and, and she has a tough time walking from, you know, even, even for like 10 minutes, she gets really tired. So imagine this for a second, where, where this married couple, and, and she is just pregnant, right? They had to walk 90 miles, almost a week walk, while she is pregnant. And, and all the complications, all the difficulties that comes with that, they had to walk all those hours. And they probably already knew that this wasn't something noble, right? The, the, the only reason that they were doing the census is because they wanted to collect taxes. So all of this combined, it must have been a very difficult time for them to walk. And they were, they were probably, as they're trekking, they're having to try to push down all the, the complaints that's coming out of their mouths and, and trying to to push through just to get to this place. And when they arrive, it says, finally, when they arrive, uh, they gave birth to Jesus, you know, and they gave birth to Jesus and they placed it in a manger. And it feels so, and, and the thing about the Bible is that it's so easy to walk past really important detail. And, and what felt so real at that moment, that the first point I want to make is by doing this, they fulfilled a prophecy that was written a thousand years ago by a man, a prophet named Micah. This is Micah 5.2. It says, but you Bethlehem, through you, though you are a small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Amen. That's why people knew that the, the Messiah was going to come from Bethlehem because of this prophecy. 
So the, the first point I want to make was, even though this was such a small kind of, what they must have thought, just an inconvenience, was actually the will of God. It was actually the, the plan of God to bring Jesus out from Galilee and have him be birthed in a place called Bethlehem. Amen. Well, there are things in our lives that we think are just coincidences. Uh, two years ago, I used to work at a company called LG. Y'all know, some of you have LG phones. I hope you know it's not that great. But there's a, there's a, a LG is actually, the mother company is LG Chem. And I worked for, for that company for a couple of years. And one day, my manager told me, I didn't, honestly, I didn't even know Atlanta existed. I'm sorry, Georgians. Um, but I didn't know it existed. I, I was a California boy. And then before that, I was a Mexico boy. I lived in Mexico for six years. So I didn't know Atlanta. You know, people in the West are very ignorant about the East. We think it's just Harvard and Yale. That's all we know about the East. So I didn't know about Atlanta, but I was supposed, to, one day my manager came to me and he said, hey, we are uh, relocating to Atlanta, are you in or are you out? And, and, and it was such an inconvenience for me to go with the company. I, I uprooted my life. I had to move away from my family. I had to move away from, you know, my mom cooking breakfast, lunch, and dinner for me. I had to move away from free rent, amen? You know, Koreans in the house, amen? I, I walked away from all of that, not knowing what the future held for me, and I came here, but lo and behold, I, start, I, I, I got back into ministry. I met my beautiful wife. There's so many things that happened. Happened, and I wonder if, if my life was written in the Bible, it would say, you know, God brought me out, you know, and I was just thinking about, man, you know, there are the, the, the sometimes it feels, our lives feel so real and, and the, the, the inconvenience are so real, but, but God is still in control. Amen. That God actually foresaw this. He planned this. And there are so many times in our lives where we feel like God is not in control because there are so many inconveniences. Life is just so ordinary sometimes. But, but God is actually moving. And God is actually behind the scenes and sometimes in front of us doing things, you know, just like Mary and Joseph, they probably had no idea that they were fulfilling a prophecy from thousands of years ago. Amen. They probably had no idea and they probably felt like their life was out of control. Can you imagine if you're taking your pregnant wife and, and they go all the way to this little place called Bethlehem and she has birth there and they don't have any place to put the baby. So they have to put it in a manger that sounds like out of control to me right but but God prophesied this through Micah that this was part of God's plan and you know there's something about knowing how how you know how things are going to end you know how, how how God is in control that that gives us peace that gives us a sense of peace it's kind of like have you ever have you ever gotten a book and went to the back and read the ending any of you guys do that? Where you buy a book and it's like a, sus a suspenseful book and you go to the back and you read the ending. What happens? When you read the book, even if it's really suspenseful, you don't get very kind of rattled up, right? Because you know it works out in the end, right? Okay, how many guys read uh, Harry Potter? One of my favorite stories concerning this is, and for those of you who haven't read it or who haven't read the last book, I'm sorry, spoiler alert, if you want to close your ears, you can do that. Um, Harry Potter 
Do you guys remember when Dumbledore died? Yes. You know, Dumbledore, for those of you who don't read Harry Potter, think is witchcraft. I was at a mission trip and someone was like, that's witchcraft. I was like, whoa. <laughs> if, you think, if you haven't read it, Dumbledore is like the main, one of the main heroes in this book. Right. He's he's like, you know, Harry's mentor and he's like this amazing wizard. Right. And, and the fact that Dumbledore died, that was unforeseen. And nobody saw that coming. And I read it, I think, in a news where this guy, as soon as the last book, it's the last book, right? When Dumbledore dies. Is that no? Second to last. Okay. Second to last book. When that book came out, it, it came out with so much anticipation, right? And there was like this huge line waiting for people, everybody waiting to get this book. And I heard, I, I saw this in the news where this guy, he was probably one of the first ones to get the book. He went to the end and he read that Dumbledore died. He made a shirt that says Dumbledore dies. <laughs> And he went back to the same line and he was just prancing around and you could see people just falling like dominoes, you know, because the suspense was gone, you know, and even if they read now that that thing is gone, but in a good way, that's what happens in our lives because now we know that God is in control. Amen. I, I, I don't know if you've read revelation, but we find out that, that God wins. We win. Let me, let me save you the suspense. We win. Amen? That the, the new Jerusalem, new earth, new heaven is going to come. That there, God is going to set up heaven on earth for all the saints to be in relationship with God. That there's going to come a time where lion is going to be with the lamb and there's going to be no more tears. There's going to be no more heartache. There's going to be no more diseases. It's going to be bliss on earth. Amen? As a good, good understanding of, of the ending takes away the suspense. That even when things are difficult, it's falling apart in your life, you know that there's going to come a day where there is going to be no more tears. There's going to come a day where you're going to be, you know, I was telling this to my kids, like, can you just think about this for a second? Like, um, about a month or two ago, I, I lost one of my youth kids. His name is Sean. And it's just, that whole experience rocked me because, you know, it just, it reminds you that our lives are so kind of short. It's like a mist, you know, and it comes and goes. And in light of eternity, our lives are just a moment. Do you guys ever think about that? They, they, even if we live for 100, and, 100 years, even if you're super lucky, I don't know if that's lucky, but even if you live for 120 years, in light of eternity that we have, it's nothing. It's just, it's but a moment that we have. And in a moment, we're going to be face to face with Jesus. Can you imagine that? That, that we're going to be in this, in this endless communion with our God and he's going to love us. And there's no more, there's going to be no more insecurity. There's going to be no more sin that we don't have to deal with anymore. That we're going to be one with him. That is your ending. Amen. I looked it up. That is your ending. So it's like watching a movie and knowing no matter how difficult the movie gets, no matter how suspenseful even the movie might get, if you know that it's going to work out, as you watch the movie, you're like, I can take it. That is your life. But, but, but not only that, not only that, we don't not, uh, Jesus also gives us his promises. Like in Romans 8.28, just like that prophetic word, he says, God works everything together for good. Amen. That everything in your life right now, he is working 
for it to work it for good in your life and for his glory. That every single thing, that you can look at everything that stresses you out and you can look at it and say, you're going to be for my good and for his glory. Amen. That is according to the word. But, but we don't just have promise. We don't just know the ending. We actually, this is a crazy part of Christianity. We know the author. That, that's the crazy thing about our lives. It's as though, it's like, it's as if Hamlet got to know Shakespeare. It's, it's a weird thing where we actually, and this is something that should blow our minds, right? That we get to actually have conversations with the one who writes our story. That is crazy to me. And this author isn't just a human being. He is a good God. He, 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 is, he is powerful. He is good. He is kind. He loves me so much. And I get to have conversation and a relationship with my author. And just by that, that itself, it would blow my mind. But not only that, he enters my story. Isn't that crazy that he would actually enter into my, our stories and he, because he loves us so much? Because he knows that if he's just, even if Hamlet could talk to Shakespeare, Hamlet would never be able to have a relationship with him because they work in complete, they are in different planes. Just like for us, it's impossible to think of a situation where there is no time, right? It's impossible. We can't think that like that. We're, we're very limited. We're very finite. So just like Hamlet could not probably have a relationship with Shakespeare unless Shakespeare wrote himself into the story. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He limited himself. He wrote, because he was like, I love these guys so much. And, and he's been trying to speak to us for years and years and years, saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love I have made you. He, he raised up Israel, telling them, hey, I have chosen you out of all the nations, and I'm going to use you to show you my love and my glory. But they turn again and again and again until finally he writes himself into the story. He writes himself into the story. Why? For one reason, it's because he loves us. He, he, he wrote himself into the story as Jesus so that he could have a real relationship with us so we would be able to relate with this God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen my father. That is a, one of the biggest reasons why Jesus came was so that we would be able to enter into relationship with him. But the craziest, another crazy thing from there is, man, if I were to write myself into my story, I would not, I would write myself as a king, wouldn't you? I would write myself as a celebrity. I would write myself in as Brad Pitt, amen? Y'all know Brad, we're of the similar generation, y'all know Brad, some of my youth kids are like, who's Brad Pitt? Who's, they, they don't know Michael Jordan. Is that, isn't that crazy? Who's Michael Jackson, they say. Like how? They're like, oh, is it like BTS? I'm like, it is not. It is not like BTS. <laughs> Um, I would have written myself in as someone famous, as someone beautiful. But instead, Jesus wrote himself in as a baby that is being placed in a manger. You know, when the, the, the first 10 minutes of any character in a movie, that 10 minutes kind of sets the tone of that character. 
It, it kind of sets the tone of, of what that character wants to be known for. And this really blessed me how the first 10 minutes, the first 10 days, 10, 10, 10, 10 hours of, of Jesus' existence spoke of one thing about him. Yes, his love, but his humility. You know, that, that, that he would come so helpless and he would choose his family that he knew in advance that would not be able to afford something fancy for him, that he, he lowered himself and he was placed in a manger. That, that Jesus, if there's one thing he wants us to know about him is that he is humble. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. I am gentle and humble at heart. Why is humility so important? Because if he, can you imagine if he came in like a reigning king, if someone comes in like this, what's the natural response? We go like this, right? But he humbled himself so that we would be exalted. He humbled himself so that we would be able to have relationship with the highest God. He humbled himself so that we would be lifted up from our humble places. So he came not as a reigning king, but he came as a humble king. He came very, very, very humble so that we would be lifted up. He was killed so that we would live. He was humiliated so that you would be filled with his righteousness. Amen. That, that blessed me so much that he chose a manger for us. Um, so in closing, uh, as we approach our lives again, and we're going to go out those doors, and our lives are going to get really real again, right? As you go back to school, as you go back to your work, it's going to feel very weird. It's going to feel very real again. It's, 